You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 67, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. On this special episode to close out 2019 and the last decade, I'm going to be unpacking some helpful tips for developing healthy digital habits that you can cultivate in the new year and in the coming decade. For more tips, podcasts, and articles, visit technologyformindfulness.com. And if you go to technologyformindfulness.com and sign up for our email newsletter, you'll get some great new content that we've developed that includes really specific, simple, concrete, practical tips that you can use to be more focused and less distracted by technology. I think it's a great way to start out the new year on a new foot with how you use technology. So for this final episode of 2019, I'd like to give you some suggestions for how to reflect on the technology year behind you and how to set some intentions for the new year. We often set New Year's resolutions, which are goals for what we want to do in the coming year. I do that. I think it's great. But I think it can be putting the cart before the horse to set New Year's resolutions before taking some time to reflect on the year behind us. We often can get excited about goals and pursue goals with a lot of energy without first really prioritizing what's most important to us about where we want to go based on where we've been. So for the first part of this episode, which is focused on your relationship with technology, I'd like to suggest that you spend a little bit of time could be five minutes, could be five hours, it's whatever is relevant to you, reflecting on how you have used technology in the last year, but specifically in relation to how it has impacted positively, negatively, or neutrally your life. What role has it played in your life? For example, you might find it useful to uncover some elements of this by just sitting and closing your eyes and thinking through your day, a typical day from start to finish. And if your days are different from each other, maybe your work days are quite different from your weekend days, maybe you sit down and first think through what a work day is like from the moment you wake up through the time when you go to sleep. And how are you interacting with technology during that time? For many people, They're waking up to a smartphone alarm going off. Think about that. The first part of this is merely to become aware how you're interacting with technology without any judgment attached to it, just to bring it to your awareness. You know, something like using your phone as an alarm clock because it's waking you up out of sleep. You're not quite fully awake yet. You might not be very consciously aware of the fact that that is a form of technology that you're interacting with at the moment you wake up. It might feel like it's just part of the background. So it could be helpful to spend this time now drawing your attention consciously and intentionally to the fact that there is some technology in your presence that's waking you up at that moment. might give you a different way of thinking about technology to realize that that is a form of technology you're interacting with at that time. So first step 
is to merely observe, become aware of. And you might want to write these down, then go through the next part. Maybe it's getting up and eating breakfast. It might be waking up your kids. Step through the day, I would suggest writing down, again, without judgment or evaluation or opinion, how and when you interact with technology. Then you might want to go and add in how you feel, what kind of feelings you have during those interactions. And if it feels easier to you to note feelings while you're noting the actual interactions, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. You might notice that the alarm clock from the phone generates some tension or anxiety, or maybe it's not the alarm clock sound that's doing that, but maybe it's what comes right after, which is that when you silence the phone by tapping stop or whatever it is on the phone, you then see a notification for a message or an appointment or something else, and it's that that triggers the tightness in your chest or some other feeling. So this next step is to bring to your conscious awareness what your feelings are in relation to these interactions with technology and make note of them. Again, if it's helpful to you to write them down, then do that. And depending on how much detail you want to go into, you might want to note, are your feelings what we call pleasant or unpleasant or neutral? And again, it can be useful to ask yourself these questions consciously because you might find that there are interactions you've had with technology that feel unpleasant in the moment when they happen, but that you haven't really been aware of that unpleasantness throughout the year because you've been running on autopilot to a certain extent. Similarly, you might realize that there are interactions you have with technology that feel pleasant. It might be FaceTiming with your spouse or parent or child or coworker, receiving some positive message from someone, a picture of them, smiling or a nature scene. I mean, there's all kinds of interactions that might be positive that, again, maybe you're not aware of them during your busy day or you're aware of them, but only fleetingly and not very consciously. And so this is a good opportunity at the end of the year to note how you feel. And you can note your thoughts, not just feelings, but your thoughts, thoughts that occur in the moment during these interactions. Now, if it's hard to recall all of these internal experiences after the fact, now, you know, about interactions you had with technology during the year, you might want to set aside a day where you're not using the day only to pay attention to your interactions with technology, Or the night before, let's say, you set your intention to be more aware of your interactions with technology. Maybe you have planned to have a notebook with you or nearby or a voice recorder that you'll use. And then use that day or two to be more aware than usual of your interactions with technology, what your feelings are, what your thoughts are, what your bodily sensations are during those interactions, and keep a a journal of them. Again, you don't want it to be so time-consuming that it feels like a burden, but maybe you note the particularly strong, positive or negative, pleasant or unpleasant thoughts or feelings or bodily sensations so that you can turn back to them. This kind of reflection is the first step I'd recommend before turning to the next step. For the second step, I recommend evaluating. And this is where you're turning your thinking mind 
and your feeling self as well to discerning which of these interactions felt good to you, either in terms of the positive or pleasant feelings they brought about, or in terms of whether you think they were healthy or productive for you, the kinds of interactions with technology you'd like more of or like less of. And it's entirely up to you to decide really how to evaluate this. It's very, very personal and subjective. But I suggest for the second step to go back through these interactions, and you might find from having journaled this a bit or just reflected over the last year that there are certain types of really strong, unpleasant situations you encounter with technology that are both very unpleasant and very common, you know, very frequent. Maybe you encounter them every day or multiple times a day. And by reflecting back, that might help you realize or, or decide that those are the kinds of interactions you'd like less of. Now, remember, sometimes unpleasant experiences can be really helpful. I'm not saying necessarily that you just look at the unpleasant experiences and decide you necessarily want less of them. Sometimes there can be unpleasant experiences that are healthy for us to have because they push us to realize something about ourselves that we need to work on or another person that we're interacting with that we need to improve how we relate to them. So I just want to be clear. It's another reason why it's very personal and subjective in how you decide what you want to change. But the point of this next step of the exercise is to look back at those experiences and apply some wisdom and exercise discernment about these. And whether you want to make an actual list of here's the types of things like diving into social media for hours on end or sitting down to play a game for five minutes and then finding I played it for two hours, you know, I don't feel good about those things. They're not the kinds of ways I want to be spending my time or devoting my energy. I'd like to work on having less of that. Or, oh, you know, I really feel good when I FaceTime with my child or friend. But, you know, I don't do it that much. I realize when I do it, I feel great. It helps me feel more connected. But I, I don't do it that often. Why? And I could do it more often. So you could make note of what kind of experiences you'd like to have more frequently or about changing the nature or the quality of these experiences. So give some thought. And of course, the great thing about the podcast is you can pause this whenever you want. You can also come back and listen to it again to get some of the guidance again if you want to go into more detail about how to go about this next step of evaluating. And before I go on to the third and final step, I just want to step back from this a little bit and say, you know, just like meditation practice in general, what's really useful about this type of exercise is that I find it helps me take advantage of some time that I've set aside to be conscious and intentional about paying attention to myself and my own experience instead of just being carried along by my habits, which, as we all know, is a significant part of our experience that our minds, our bodies take us along, along the roots that have been dug in to our, our, our those grooves in our minds and our bodies, those habits. 
which can be very healthy in many ways. Habits are not necessarily bad things. Habits can be really great. But the one thing about habits is that they have a certain degree of automaticness, automaticity, people sometimes call it, to them. That's the nature of a habit. And so even though a habit is not necessarily good or bad, because they they lead us to do things fairly automatically, respond to that notification on the phone, respond to our urge to go and check email or Facebook or something, it's really helpful if we don't want unhealthy grooves to be dug even more deeply in a way that we it's inconsistent with our own values. It's really critical to take some time, whether it's when you can throughout the day or a fixed time every day, at the end of the year or all of the above, to take some time to step back from those habits and use that mind and body and spirit of yours to step back, see yourself and your experience and other people in your life and the world around you from a distance that is often not possible or easy to do in the flurry hecticness of our everyday lives as they as they fly by us and you know i think people all around the world throughout history have used the end of their year as a time to reflect particularly on the past year in an even bigger way than you might do at the beginning or end of a single day to look at the broader strokes of your life. And that's what I'm suggesting spending some time to do here because we know that once the new year starts, it's often off to the races for us and it can be difficult, challenging to spend this same kind of time every day, every hour, even every week. I found that if I can do this focused time at the end of the year, it can really help keep me propelled on a path that's more in line with my own intentions throughout the the coming year. So for the last step in this process, what I'd suggest is coming up with, you might think of it as an action plan. You know, the best intentions often don't result in us acting on them if we don't have a clear plan for how we're going to act. So you might actually think of this as an intention plan, Rather than an action plan or instead of an action plan, it's how you've set your intention now. I mean, maybe it's you don't want to check email on the weekends or you want to use social media only at certain times a day or for certain purposes. Who knows? Could be any of a million things that you want to do. And maybe you've picked three or four that are your highest priority for the year. What I suggest next is come up with a specific plan for how you are going to follow through on sticking with those intentions. Because the fact is, for most of us, if we don't do that, we might have great intentions. We might have clarified them and written them down, made them very concise and prioritized them. But it's then often very unlikely we will follow through on those for more than a few days or weeks. And we all know this from New Year's resolutions. Anyone who works in the service industry knows that people flood in, you know, to gyms and and other places in January with a new membership. They're going to do everything they've promised themselves. And then by February 1st, a large number of those people don't come back anymore. And I don't say that to be judgmental. I just say it as a recognition of how difficult it can be 
to stick with our intentions. And I don't have any magic solution, but the main thing I want to point out is that it's critical to have a plan that is concrete that you know will work for you to at least keep reminding you of what your intention is. Let me give a few suggestions, but again, this is very subjective and different things will work for different people. Okay, the first thing I will suggest is to have your intentions written down, make them very clear, very concise, and have them in a place or places where you will see them regularly. Now, that might be on a physical bulletin board that you pass every day. It might be a reminder in your phone that pops up once or twice or three times a day so that you are seeing it. We know that our intentions can fade from our minds. Other priorities take over. So if you can at least be reminded of what your intention is, that can be really helpful in helping you return to that intention. Now, you have to be able to couple that with non-self-judgment, which if you're engaged in a regular meditation practice or other things, you can cultivate that non-judgment because otherwise you run the risk that if after a week you haven't stuck to your intention at all and then you're reminded of it and you think, oh, I'm such a horrible person, I didn't stick to my intention, that's more likely to lead you to not even try again. So it's very important to be cultivating non-self-judgment because we all will slip on these things. That's just a fact. It's something to be expected, and it doesn't mean we're a bad person or that we'll fail or that it's pointless to pick up again and try again as if it's January 1st again. So there's many ways to get yourself reminded. The second suggestion is closely related to this, which is you might call it a buddy system or enlisting a friend or family or coworker to support you in these intentions. Let them know what the intentions are and say, you know, I really want to stick with this stuff. I'm also concerned that I might slip. I could really use some support, some encouragement, moral support in various ways. So you can do this with anyone. I know on our blog and the podcast, I've mentioned a website called Stick Before, S-T-I-C-K-K, where you can go online and make a commitment can be to losing weight, to exercising, to any of these commitments we're talking about here for the new year. And you can pick, I think they call it a sponsor, which could be a friend, family member who's going to help you stick to this. And then you pick a penalty and you can make it fun. You know, you can make the penalty fun. It can be giving your, your sponsor $10 or taking them out to dinner, or it can be something that's more painful if you think that's the motivation you need to stick to the commitment. You don't have to use this stick website. I'm just giving these as examples of ways to work with other people because that social support can be really, really helpful in getting us through the tough times of sticking to our intentions and just propel us along. And you might make it mutual. Let's say it's with a friend. Maybe they have their own intentions. Maybe you each support each other. And what that means is, you're thinking throughout your day about what your friend's intentions are. You get in touch with him or her. Say, hey, how's it going? I just really want to let you know. I think it's great you're working on not being on social media as much. How's that going today? 
then they let you know, and maybe they did slip or didn't do it. You know, you give them some, some support, and then you know that they're doing the same thing. They're proactively thinking about you, that you're in their mind and their heart. This can be really great. Do it with a bigger group if you want. Your family, I mean, whatever works for you. The point is, it's this kind of concrete plan for how you're going to integrate support for your intentions and reminders about your intentions into your ongoing experience from day to day, hour to hour, moment to moment, that will increase exponentially the likelihood that you will stick through this. And of course, none of this is specific to technology-related goals. I'm just talking about goals related to technology like email and video games, video watching. You know, binge watching TV shows is so much fun, but maybe you decide when you're done with it, just like binging on sugar, that you sometimes don't feel so good after the fact, that you stayed up too late and then you're tired the next day Maybe with your family, maybe maybe binge watching sometimes is a fun family activity, but maybe one or more of you have decided you'd like to do a little less of that and you agree amongst the, uh, each other. There's a show you like or whatever the next new one is. You're going to watch two of them as a family. You are going to support each other in stopping after two <laughs> and that you're not going to judge each other for stopping. And you're going to support each other in the difficult, unpleasant feeling of hitting that stop button after number two. And you're going to set a date and time with each other to pick up at the next episode. You know, this is just something I'm coming up with. This mutual support can be really, really helpful. And I would love for all of you to share with me and with the Technology for Mindfulness community what ideas you come up with for this kind of mutual support to make your New Year's technology intention setting more than just an idea or an exercise and turn it into something that you can really carry out and execute in a meaningful way from moment to moment and day to day, because that's how we bring about changes in ourselves and our habits. Our habits, when they're really dug in deep by repetition, and we know that technology provides us with stimulus, reward, over and over and over again. That's how these habits of binge-watching or binging on social media or binging on anything else develop in the first place. It takes equally strong or stronger repeated effort and stimulus in the opposite direction to unlearn those habits and develop new, healthier ones, ones that are more in line with your own intention. Just expect that that it will take a lot of repeated effort. You're not going to go all in one direction. It's not like you're just going to be using social media less, less, less. You're probably going to do it less, then more, then less, then more. There'll be all kinds of ups and downs, sideways, zigzags. Just expect that and expect that to develop new habits takes an incredible amount of persistence, regularity, and repetition. And I think if once you realize that, I found realizing that can help me be easier on myself and reduce the self-judgment when my own progress doesn't all go in one direction because I realize just what strong, how strong the forces are that we're all up against in terms of technology that's specifically designed to hook us in and develop habits that serve the needs of the technology developers and the marketers. 
and helps me be more compassionate towards myself about the challenges and difficulty and struggle of fighting against those forces, to be honest, and developing new habits that are healthier for me. So I hope you found all of this helpful. As I said, love to hear your feedback, your successes and failures and struggles and what you encounter and uh, things you experiment with in this way, both right at the beginning of the year and throughout the year. I hope you find it helpful, and I'm so appreciative to everyone out there who listens to this podcast, who supports the podcast and the blog and our online courses. We really couldn't do it uh, without you as part of what really is becoming a new movement out there for digital health and well-being. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we will see you again on this podcast and elsewhere in the new decade in 2020. Bye now. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin. I hope that this last episode of 2019 has given you some helpful tips for how to reflect and set your intention for what you want to cultivate with your time with and without technology in 2020 and the decade to come. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for tips about how to use technology more mindfully and sign up for our email newsletter. You'll get some great practical content that you can use to develop those new, healthier digital habits in the new year so you can start out that new year feeling more in control of yourself and your time. And you can also find out about our Tap Into Mindfulness course at technologyformindfulness.com, a course that helps you to take control of how you use your smartphone and take back your life. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next year in a new decade on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with the founders of AGAP, Marianne and Natalie Sexton and Bethany Grace. From all of us at Technology for Mindfulness, I wish you a happy holiday, and we'll see you in the new year. 